Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees, every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. I think people in my world fall somewhere in between sex workers and clowns. And it's like we are giving ourselves up. We are Mm -hmm. like really selling ourselves in a way, but we're also like we're clowns. We can't take ourselves too seriously. We're in the entertainment business. This is Hello, Isaac, my podcast about the idea of success and how failure affects it. I'm Isaac Mizrahi, and in this episode, I talk to New York Times bestselling cookbook author and food celebrity Jake Cohen. Hello, Isaac. It's Jake Cohen. I cannot wait to talk to you, and we are going to chat all things nauseous, all things Jewish, gay, F Island. I'm going to have a blast chatting with you. I began following Jake Cohen on Instagram a number of years ago, and I was just so taken with his incredible presence as both a recipe writer, a food presenter, but also as an incredibly gentle spirit and as a fellow Jew. We met when he came over to cook with me. We made snickerdoodles on my Instagram. And it was just such an incredible meeting of 
minds and meeting of hearts. Like, I really do adore this person. And so I'm kind of excited about taking the relationship to a different level, both a professional level, but also a personal level. And so I'm eager to get started talking to him. Let's do it. Here we go. Jake Cohen. Hi. Hi. How are you? Darling, before we get started, what sign are you? I never asked you this. What sign are I you, darling? I am a Capricorn. I oh, am a Capricorn. New Year's Eve baby. Right. It makes sense. This is actually... Everything is falling into place now. Um, you're from Bayside, Queens. Is that yes, right? that is correct. Do you ever go back to Bayside? Um my aunt still lives there, so yes, I do. We were actually just in Flushing for dinner last night because we love Szechuan food. Um, so yeah, I, and I live in Queens, so it, it, this is my borough. I think too do often we're not, we're sleeping on the best borough in the city. Wow, okay, come on, Queens. That was a plug <laughs> for Queens. Um, so now I think I'm going to start by asking you where... It all started for you. How did your obsession with cooking and baking begin? It started as a a rather zoftig, uncool teenager <sighs> that was in the closet. And I pretty much turned to food as a way to make friends. I was always obsessed with Food Network. And I started throwing these little dinner parties and it was the way that I kind of tricked people into liking me or spending time with me. And that obsession around hospitality and the way that food can really bring people in was just, it was so powerful that I knew this was the only thing I could do. Wow, this is amazing to me. First of all, when you say zoftig, you mean fat. You were a fat yeah, kid. I do, right? I do. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because yes. I was a fat kid too. I mean, I'm still fat. I consider <laughs> myself still a fat person, but you are like the opposite of fat, darling. That is a revelation to me. I did not realize that you were a fat kid. It builds character. It builds yeah. a lot of character and a lot of body dysmorphia. But wow. other than that. Wow, wow, wow. So did you actively seek a career in food? Yeah. I applied to the Culinary Institute of America with no backups. I was just pretty much, this is what I'm going to do. And everyone right. else will like eventually get on board. And luckily I got in, so I didn't have to deal with anything else. And wow. I immediately went up to the Hudson Valley, started studying. Oh, and that was a plan. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, they think I like I stumbled into this work I do. And really, it's like, I'm just very blessed that I get to be living out my dream. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know how I was going to get here, but this was the plan to get here eventually. Right. Tell me about that as a kid. Maybe it's a fat kid thing. You go like, yeah, I'm not going to be a fat kid for long, right? Exactly. And, you have a right. plan of like, all right, how? what am I going to do um, for me personally? I worked in restaurants straight from culinary school. Mm -hmm. I was at Danielle and ABC Kitchen, and these were incredible experiences. And it pushed me and made me a better cook and and all these things. And I knew very early on that this wasn't for me. I don't, I don't want to own a restaurant. I want to run a restaurant. Right. What about it turned you off, restauranting? So when you think about like that story about me as a teenager, 
it was about that personal connection of me cooking and people eating and having that real direct connection. And in a restaurant, there's a little bit of separation. It's all like smoke and mirrors where it's like, it's all happening behind the door, all the cooking, even in an open kitchen. It's like, you're seeing a very little portion of the big picture. And all I wanted to do was cook for people and get their reactions IRL. And that wasn't really scratching that itch for me. And so did you ever have a job as a waiter or a busboy or a stock person or a subway token taker? No? (laughs) No, always in the kitchen. Literally started, I worked at the sandwich shop in like in high school and like they, I just like throw me in the kitchen. They paid me in sandwiches uh, and that was it. And do you ever wish you did anything else? Like, did you want to be a ballet dancer or a welder or a riveter or something? Like, like many Jewish boys, I was conditioned to be like, oh, maybe I'll be a doctor. Maybe I'll be a doctor. And I played around with that idea for a little bit. And oh oh my God, thank God I didn't. God bless doctors. Thank you for your service. I should not be your doctor. I should be making you a brisket. And let's call it a doctor. <laughs> I'll marry a doctor and make the brisket. Darling, so you are merely a food celebrity. You have no other income but what you make as a cookbook author and an Instagram star and a guest on Drew Barrymore. So like, that's how you do it. That's how I do it. Right. Yeah. That is amazing. Do you know how lucky you are? I do. What was the decisive moment? Like, what was the post or the book that you wrote? Or what was it that you just went like, oh, my God, this is my career? Yeah. The funny thing is, is I think it's very similar to pop stars, because I really think like pop stars decide one day that they're just going to live their life like a pop star and everyone else eventually will catch on. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to live my life like Ina Garten and eventually everyone will catch on. And they did. Right. Uh, I married very young. I married a banker. So it's just like, uh, I always say like the joke is it's like I signed up to be a housewife and all of this just like happened, which isn't true. Wow. But like I always say, he is my muse. I get my best ideas from him. He is the best taste tester for all my recipes. He like believes me and you really need when you're doing anything like someone in your corner cheering you on and Mm -hmm. having that and my husband was was everything in a way that like when my career took off and he ended up switching jobs and i was able to step in and support him for a bit and that's really all all you want really everything took off with my first book and that came about from us deciding to start hosting Shabbat very much in a similar way where neither of us grew up with Shabbat in our households. And mm-hmm. we were like, we don't have any friends because we met so young. We spent right. so much of our 20s really focused on our careers, focused on each other and our relationship. And I'm so grateful we put all of that energy into that. But as a result, as we were getting like further in our 20s, we we're like, we don't actually have like a friend group or that community that we were really craving. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, actually, I got a secret of how we could trick people into liking us. Let's invite them for dinner. Wow, um, that's crazy. <laughs> Who wouldn't like you? And by the way, how much a part of the plan was this to meet your husband? Yeah, we met on Hinge. He was like one of my first matches. We went on a date and pretty much the rest is history. Wow. And is Hinge like a... Uh, 
like a dating app or is it like a hookup app? No, no, dating, dating. Dating, right. So you were hosting these Shabbat dinners, which I really want to get into, but tell me the progression of how that led to the book. And the book was called Jewish, right? That was the first exactly. book? Exactly, right, right. yeah. Tell me something about all that. It really was this way that we started to reinvent like Jewish ritual through a modern lens of how we were going to take what we've inherited as young Jews and make it work and be sustainable for our lives. And that looked very different than my grandparents or even my parents um, of how they celebrated Jewish holidays or the right. Sabbath. And mm -hmm. what happened was we started inviting all of these just like cool Jews about town. And this was our way to connect. And it became this like word of mouth kind of thing about Jake and Alex's Shabbats and people would come up and be like, oh my God, I'm dying to come to one of your Shabbats because in they Queens. see pictures. This happens and in Queens. Yes. I live like looking over Manhattan. And the thing is, is that we were living in Manhattan at the time. My mother was living in this building and then mm -hmm. my sister moved into the building and then we followed. Wow. So we turned into this urban kibbutz, but my mother, this was before we had the space to really host. So I would be throwing these dinners in my mother's apartment which she loved because I could use her apartment whenever I wanted. The only gist was she got to join, which she loved. Wow. So it was all these like 20 something year old gay men and her. And you were all right with this. Like, yeah. I don't know, darling. We have a very, very different take on family, you and I. <laughs> Funny enough, we're the only ones left in the building. My mother and sister are both a block away now. Mm -hmm. And I miss it. I miss when they were even closer. A block is too far. That is insane. I mean, you obviously had a really fun, happy childhood. Yeah, I mean, everyone has yeah. their own drama, right. a messy divorce from my parents. Um, mm -hmm. Funny enough, my sister and I, we were close and we kind of grew apart. And then my sister is my best friend. She's actually, this new book is dedicated to her. Mm -hmm. But she and I got really close because she was going to college at the University of Alabama and mm -hmm. we went on birthright together. Which means you went to Israel. You went to Israel. Mm -hmm. And she came back. She became a lot more religious and she was like, what am yeah. I doing? I can't be in Alabama anymore. She's like, I'm transferring to Baruch College in Manhattan. And my mom calls me up and she goes, listen, Jamie's transferring to Manhattan. The dorms are all the way in the Upper East Side, but her campus is downtown. I was living on 36 and 3rd. Mm -hmm. She's like, if you let Jamie move in with you, I will let you take the money that was going to go towards her dorm and put it towards your rent. And wow. I was working at Sever Magazine. I was making pennies. I was right. making nothing. Mm -hmm. I was working Monday through Friday at the magazine and then the weekends at a spin studio in the neighborhood for some extra oh cash and to get a free gym membership. Wow. So when she said that, I was like, uh, and now here's the hook. I was living in a 400 square foot studio. So she threw what? out my couch, moved in a pullout. Alex and I were only a few months into dating. And literally, I always joke that it was like the Willy Wonka, like the grandparents in the bed all together. Yes. Like that's how we were living for oh, like six months. So we did that for a semester and we got so close. My favorite story is... It was the first Hanukkah we were together. So we'd been dating for almost a year. I surprised Alex. I got us these matching 
Tiffany keychains because it's about the time that we were exchanging keys for each other's apartment. We typically, we get up on the weekend, we go get dressed, we go out to get bagels, and I hid them in his, his pocket. So he, he puts on his jacket, he feels it, oh. he opens it up, we have this like incredible <gasps> oh. moment and, and stuff. And my sister just rolls over and she goes, well, you either shut the fuck up or get the fuck out. Oh. <laughs> and wow. that was it. And, and, I, and it was so so heated and yet there's nothing that brings people closer together than being under the same roof i guess so but here's the thing she went to that you know that birthright thing and you both came back together and she became more religious darling you know that in the jewish religion homosexuality is not permitted it's a sin you know that don't you yes but again the whole span of what that looks like in actual practice, everyone mm-hmm. gets to find their version of Judaism. I go to many congregations that not only accept but celebrate queer yeah. members. So mm-hmm. that was never going to be the world I lived in. Mm-hmm. That being said, that is everyone's journey to take by themselves with right. their own community. Mm-hmm. Listen, you're not wrong with the exception that that is one specific look at what Judaism could yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Except for the fact, darling, that that's how I was raised. We were Orthodox. You know, it's, it was an anomalous version of Orthodoxy because we were Sephardic and it's slightly mm-hmm. different from the Ashkenazic version. And we were taught that it was a big sin to be homosexual. I was raised with that ingrained. And, you know, I get hives around things to do with Shabbat and the holidays. I get crazy. It drives me insane. And there's a wonderful kind of an aspect to Judaism, but I can't be around rabbis. I can't be around any kind of shul. Like even the gay shul makes me insane. (laughs) I think what it comes down to is community. And this is what everyone's kind of craving. And so often one of my favorite aspects about being both gay and Jewish is this intersection of we talk about being gay and this idea of chosen family and the way that mm-hmm. we interact with each other and find queer spaces that we get to be our true authentic selves in. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, what I've been able to find in New York is this insane community within a community of gay right. Jews in which we're able to hold both identities in each hand at the same time in a way that does not look like many other Jewish communities that are more traditional. That being said, I have many gay Jewish friends who are a lot more orthodox, who keep kosher, who mm-hmm. wrap to fill in every day. Right. Um, oh. And Crazy. they're able oh. to do that. And my biggest thing is like, go with God. Whatever works for you is is what you should be doing. But here's the thing. You are considerably younger than me. And I look at your generation of gay people and I want to address how you grew up as a gay person and a Jew and how I think everything was permissible. I don't think you grew up with shame, did you? No, I think it's one of those things where my journey to coming to understand pride as a gay person and pride as a Jew was 100% intrinsic. Mm -hmm. It was completely me coming to my own terms of who I was. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the same way as an adult, I feel like it was actually much easier to find pride as a gay man than find pride as a Jew in America. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a lot more acceptable in a place like New York to be like an out and proud gay man, but being Mm -hmm. an out and proud Jew 
is often right. met with a little more mm-hmm. resistance. Yes. Um, so oh, for me, darling. growing up that way, and again, my grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. Mm. And she was very religious. And then she she has her own interesting relationship with Judaism and then the way that that affected my, mm-hmm. my mother's generation and then how they raised us. It, it's so messy, but all I can say is I have come at it from a place of both total respect to my history and where I come from. And there's this idea of, of like, when I think of my great grandfather, who was like a Litvak in like, uh, he was a black hat in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. A black hat, man. That is. And that's not anything what I would expect for my life. And yet at the same time, it's part of our family history, right. it's part of who I am. And it helps dictate the traditions and culture that I hold so near and dear, even if I'm doing it in a very unorthodox way. Right. But when I use the word shame, you kind of use the word pride and they are kind of on opposite sides of the spectrum. 100%. Right. Like now we are proud. Did you grow up with any haters, any challenges, any family members? How did you relate to your grandmother? Did she know you were gay? Funny enough, the joke is in the family that she's psychic because allegedly she told my grandfather when I was a baby, uh-huh. um, asking him if he would be okay if I was gay. Come um, on. And she, when I tell you, nothing but total support from that grandma, from my other grandmother who lived around the corner from you, nothing but love. My my grandmother, wow. when I tell you the wow, way she wow, loves wow. my husband, <gasps> she loves my husband. He is the golden spouse of the family. The number one thing that someone wants in a Jewish family is an incredible Jewish son. <laughs> and then when the, you get to marry another one of the same, it's like mm. double, double the nachos. <gasps> oh my gosh, darling. Wow. And yet he is a Sephardic Jew and you are an Ashkenazic Jew, right? Correct. He's Persian Iraqi. Right, because I'm Sephardic, I'm Syrian Jewish. And darling, a lot of what you do in your life with food, like even when you're braiding a challah in a Speedo, which I think is like, <laughs> you know, by the way, <laughs> you know, it's like that. that's wonderful because even though you are kind of exploring and expressing a kind of Jewishness, it isn't necessarily a stereotype. Talk to me about that. And by the way, if I looked like that in a Speedo, honey, I would do everything in a Speedo, okay? <laughs> well, um, it, it's funny because F Island, as you call it. When F we're on Island, Fire Island, also known as this, Fire Island. This last week we were there. There just ended up being like a bunch of gay Jews that we'd run into. And, and it was too much for me to cook for everyone for Shabbat. So I was like, okay, we're going to do a little oneg. Like from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., I baked a ton of challah. Come over, we'll do the kiddush, we'll do the mozi, do the prayers on the wine and the mm-hmm. challah. Everyone gets a little nosh, and then they can go and do their, their dinners. We ended up having like 40, 50 guys over in the house, and it was wow. absolutely beautiful. And I'm in a crop top, and like everyone's <laughs> in there like, it's everything that you wouldn't expect done as we want it. And to me, that's the magic of what I do is if I can create a space that somebody feels more at home in, then they're more likely to find their own personal power of reclaiming these traditions and rituals in a way that works in their life versus Mm -hmm. just being like, this isn't for me. It doesn't accept me for who I am. I'm going to walk away completely. That's what I did. Like sometimes a lot of the rituals and things put me right back 
there and I don't like it. So it's like, I don't know if I could ever sort of just lay back and enjoy a Friday night Shabbat. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get you there. Because I'm telling you, there is something when you boil it down so much of Judaism, it's conversations on morals and ethics and community. And my Shabbat is literally just self-care. It's how do you pause at the end of the week, reflect, recharge, and be as present as you can with those around you. And when you, mm. when you boil it down to that, it's an act of gratitude and it's an act of, of self-care in a way that's very similar to the fact that like yoga began as a Hindi practice yeah. that now everyone yeah, does darling. because it's so good for you. I don't disagree with the word of what you're saying. And I love that you've taken this and created an entire beautiful, successful career around it. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful Beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. 
Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Was there a moment in your ascent as a very successful food celebrity where you failed. Yes. Oh my God. My first book, Jewish, wasn't supposed mm. to be the first book. The first proposal I made for a book was you know, I put I poured my heart into it. It was this love letter to my husband. His family's mainly Iraqi Jewish. And it's something that's never actually been documented is like a Iraqi Jewish cookbook. And I wanted to do mm-hmm. the first Iraqi Jewish cookbook that would kind of break down their entire cuisine and preserve all of their family recipes. Mm-hmm. And it was called Helwa, which is both the, the word in Arabic Sweetness. for first sweet, beautiful, mm-hmm. but also the name of his great-grandmother, the matriarch of the family. Oh, it's also a delicious dessert. Halloween yeah. is like delicious. It's like a bulgur wheat that's been soaked in honey and orange. Exactly. So I felt it was one of the most like powerful, meaningful, unique things that I, I worked on and we pitched it and it got rejected by every single publisher and the responses were crazy one was like eh, we already have a jewish cookbook this season no uh, others were oh, like oh gosh others were like eh, it's too niche and i was i was terrible because i was so young so i was like telling everyone like i'm so excited and then obviously i'm not because it, it it's not happening oh, and then gosh. that's when i like went back to the drawing board i came up with the idea of jewish based on my spots which was always going to be like book two I was like, all right, why don't we move this up to book one? Mm-hmm. I broke down all of these recipes and I started incorporating a lot of the Iraqi recipes into Jewish. Mm-hmm. And they were some of the most viral, popular recipes in the book. Wow. I do this Iraqi salmon and the these Iraqi yes. almond cookies. Right. And they were, when I tell you, I get like thousands of people still to this day will come up and be like, mm-hmm. I make your salmon once a week. And wow. it was something that, was a just proof of concept that even mm-hmm. something that someone thinks is so niche can be really beloved by all because you're just looking to find common ground. People already know that like these are recipes that are adjacent to things that they love, just done in a new way, and they mm-hmm. want to explore that. I have so many more of his family recipes in my new book, right. and it, it's like now it becomes a, this this. This thread that I'm going to do forever. Tell me, is your book kosher? Is it kashruth? No, no. I want to talk about kashruth for a minute because I totally respect people who keep kosher. I think it's an incredible pursuit in a life, you know, to like decide on something that is completely, you know, pure and random like that and just kind of go with it, you know, and the plates and the dishwashers and the glass versus China, blah, blah. It's incredible. But is there such a thing as good food that is kosher? I mean it. Like besides kosher deli. Here's the deal. When I think of of being kosher, it's intentional eating. You're putting so much headspace towards how you eat and that ritual around eating. And there is something very meditative about a discipline. Mm -hmm. It's like being a vegetarian or a vegan or something. A hundred percent. I I think that it's something that's so beautiful that everyone gets to dictate their own and everyone knows that person. Like I have 
family members where it's like, they won't eat pork, but a little shrimp is okay. They won't right. do this, well, but if it's I, on paper plates, then that's drugs. fine. I mean, no pork chops, but on. bacon occasionally. And at the end of the day, I just, I don't believe in judging others. I think it's funny. I'll make fun of people occasionally if it's super out there. But if that's what works for them and brings them joy of of that, that in the same way that I'm a lunatic, the way that I can crush a pint of ice cream, yet will only use Splenda in my iced coffee. It's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. None of it makes sense. And yet it's part of of my own craziness. Absolutely. No, judgment, no but just a reckoning. A reckoning. reckoning. You know, yes. it's like if you're going to use pork fat to emulsify some eggs and put it onto pasta, there is just not a real substitute. There really isn't. You know what Correct. I mean? You you're could not use wrong. olive oil, you could use avocado, whatever it is, but it doesn't taste the same. It's not a judgment. It's just my own preference. <laughs> All right, let's get back to food for a minute. Yeah. What's your favorite food? I would say, like, there are two realms. On the one hand, challah. I become very well known for it because A, I think baking fresh bread for people is one of the most intimate things that you Mm -hmm. can do. It's a process. It takes time. And someone's reaction, it's it's so, so, so special. Challah is not exactly a brioche dough because there's no butter in it, but it is enriched. It's enriched with eggs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eggs, fat, honey. Yes. um, but dairy-free. So there's something so kind of magical to that. Yes. I bake it every Friday. So that's on the one side. That's the very like high-end fancy answer. Mm-hmm. On the other side, a peanut butter and jelly. Like when I oh, tell you, every really? day, every day. Really? And, and every day, I think it, I do it on, I actually have a, uh, a recipe in the new book where it's like, I do it on challah and then I dip it in an egg like a Monte Cristo and fry it in butter. Yes. Now, do you egg wash and bread it and do it like a Monte no, Cristo? Or is it just, just egg. Oh, God, darling, darling. You know how to live. I know that how to live. That is delicious. What's your jam of choice or your jelly of choice? So, I am a big Concord grape lover. I ah. think it is delicious. <laughs> okay. Delicious. Second is raspberry with the seeds. I don't want Come seedless. On. Come love. on. Come on. However, I hate strawberry jelly. I hate it. I hate it. I think strawberry jam and peanut butter is never, never a a go for me. Wait, can I say? Yes, please. Orange marmalade. Wow. Okay. Okay. Boom. Oh, it's so good. Orange and peanut butter is so good. All right. Are there foods that you actually hate besides strawberry jam? Yeah. There's one thing that I really hate. And I shame people in public for all the time because there's nothing worse than like when you're at a table and someone orders like truffle fries because like I love, I love yeah. fresh shaved truffles. Right. Anything Me with too. truffle oil I is know. ruined. It's Dacor, ruined. Darling. We agree. It's we agree. Doused. We agree. It's someone ordered it. I literally I could smell it. It hit the table. Me I too. was like, oh, my husband he like kicked me. He's like, you can't do that to people. I was like, oh, you ordered those truffle fries? It was like putrid. Um, no, hate true. it, hate it, hate it. And yet, darling, one of Oprah's favorite things is truffle oil. So go figure, you know? 
And by the way, we're not judging. We're not judging. It's like, it's, it's to, quote, to quote Countess Luann, even, even Louis Vuitton <laughs> makes mistakes. Like, it's like, like, uh... <laughs> no, no, but but we should make that distinction. Just because we say we don't like something, it doesn't mean I'm judging it. It's just not right for me. A hundred percent. That distinction has to be made right now. Yeah. Um, okay, what is your favorite holiday based on food? It's Passover. Oh, you are pervert. You are just saying that to be ridiculous. No, I love it. A, I love the challenge. I love a challenge. Okay. Um, and B, it's all my favorites. I love matzo ball soup. Matzo ball soup, it is my death row meal. I I live for it. I love a brisket. I love gefilte fish, but like not the, the good stuff, like the high-end stuff. I love like the challenge of a K for P dessert. And I oh. make some, I've made some great ones, but the best, the best thing you can do, and I have a recipe in the new book for it, is the matzo toffee crunch, where oh. it's like oh. you cover matzo. Oh. I with butter and sugar and chocolate. I saw that. Ah, I love that. So you have to make that for me especially. Okay? Whenever you want. I will tell you, calorically, it is oh, the I most know. calorically that de- I, I like. Like if I was dropped on a desert island, like Triangle of Sadness style, all I right. would need is like a big bag of matzo crunch and I would I would live for weeks. You would, you would never be thin. Yeah, <laughs> never. And by the way, like matzo brai, when you do it right, is pretty delicious. And macaroons, when you do it, is pretty delicious. And you know, as a Sephardic Jew, we can eat rice, whereas you can't eat rice. Yes. Right? So there are a few uh, benefits to being Sephardic Jews. Okay, I want to talk to you about social media because it's a very, very big, especially for your generation. Darling, would you mind telling us how old you are? I'm 29. I, I could turn. kill you. I could <laughs> kill you. I didn't know you were still in your 20s. That's I'll be 30 up. this New Year's oh, Eve. fuck. I can't even believe you're 29. Nah. I'm 61. Well, love. I will say, we're still on this, like, journey of finding friends and community and the F Island and dabbling. We don't mesh as well with people our age as we do with more mature gay men. But listen, darling... When did you get your first phone? When you were like, what, 10 or something? No, Seriously. no, it was lucky. I didn't get get it until like right at the end of middle school, beginning of high school. So like formative years, making it through puberty without social media was mm-hmm. huge. And then high school is when it began. And when I got to college, I think it was like my first semester was when like Instagram was created because we were both raised with technology and yet the kind of rampant screen time didn't really kick off until, honestly, I graduated college and was out in the real world. Right. Well, I remember, like, sort of after the first number of years of Instagram, everybody was like, will you please stop taking pictures of your food? Stop it, you know? And no one listened. It became almost the chief subject of of Instagram, right? If you go on my search, you get bulges first, right? Of course. Bulges first. Naturally. Then you get, like, you know, like gay things, like Golden Girl, Real Housewife things, memes. Real and, Housewife yeah. memes, yeah, et yeah, yeah. And then you get food, But right? this is why we get along, is we have the exact same page. <laughs> exactly. Darling, so how much of your life is based in social media? Like, how much importance does it have on your business, on your relationships with your friends, who you follow and unfollow, etc.? Excellent question. Um, so business-wise, I'll start with that. It's super important. It's huge. It's Mm -hmm. what allows me to do what I do because I have this built-in platform. So when it's like they're giving a book deal or they're working with someone, they want to know that 
a product will be sold and a product will get eyes on it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm able to guarantee in a right. way that I know that I have worked really hard to create this relationship with the community based on recipes. Mm-hmm. That's also with this intention that I'm constantly sharing free recipes online, knowing that if you love my recipes and they work out really well for you, you're going to be so much more enticed to want to get a hundred of them in a new cookbook because we already have that trust and loyalty. Mm-hmm. That being said, in terms of the, the relationship aspect of it, of like friends, family, I'm very much a big believer. And I think too often we don't talk about it. It's not a real place. I think a lot of people forget that it's not a real place, the internet. No, it is not. And even the way you interact, I say this all the time where other like big people who have like huge followings on on social and they'll talk about something like, oh yeah, my friend, whoever. And I'll just go, have you met them in person? Wow. And if the answer is no, then they are a pen pal. I'm a big believer that I very particular on how I use the word friend. Mm -hmm. And I think people are a little too trusting. At the end of the day, these are people that like this idea of you or this persona of you online. Mm -hmm. But you got to build these connections outside. So what I share, who I share, again, some of it's calculated. People love when like other people that they adore in a different field are hanging out together because it's that cool little thing it's like a crossover episode Mm -hmm. it's like real housewives ultimate girls trip Uh, like (laughs) when celebrity when celebrities just hang out outside that's what it's like that being said i think the craziest thing is i used to share my husband a lot and we used to do these videos cooking together Mm -hmm. and as it's grown i compartmentalize it i don't actually share him so much it's like very like barbie like my job is beach no my job is phone (laughs) and and i do what i do to really like have a good relationship with social media and in those moments where it's making me crazy and making me feel like garbage i step away i log off i take breaks Mm -hmm. darling but you have like over a million followers was it the speedo aspect of it or was it the recipe aspect it's spectrum and Mm -hmm. i think people in my world fall somewhere in between sex workers and clowns and it's like we are giving ourselves up we are Mm -hmm. like really selling ourselves in a way but we're also like we're clowns we can't take ourselves too seriously we're in the entertainment business um so for me i think the number one thing and it's so it's so it's so like cheesy and people hate it but it's like you gotta be yourself and some people are likable and some people are not but even someone like me like i'm in the food world this is going to be like a really tough thing i'm sure people won't agree with me but that's that's life as a gay man in the food space, I will never have a following or passionate following like some of the female figures in right. our space mm-hmm. because our audiences are predominantly female. And while they love me, the relationship that they have with another woman in the way that they can emulate them of, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. is something that they can't have with me. And gay men don't support other gay men. We sexualize them, but we don't support them. Mm-hmm. So like even like gay celebrities, it's only through the lens of sex and their bodies. Exactly. 
That's why I've been doing a little more Speedo stuff, because if that's what it takes to sell a couple more books, <laughs> well, it's like... Can I tell you something? Darling, when I was a young gay man, I had this older gay friend. And, you know, in those days, they were few and far between. And I said to this guy, "Is I, you know, I've always been a little chunky. Is it all right? He was like, no, it's not all right, darling. Unless you're thin, it's not going to be fun for you as a gay man. And he meant that. And I chose to ignore that. And it's like, there are things that you have to choose to just kind of like go, no, the world is not about that for me. Even though Completely. there is truth to it, you have to go like, no, the world is not about that for me, right? But what I want to know, like, are you a top or a bottom? I ask this of all my friends. I am a total verse. Hooray for you. Good for you. That is a good answer. I guess I would say that too. I'm verse. Mm, I'm more a bottom, darling. I, bottom. I believe, I believe it's all mental. And a friend of mine, he always says like, everyone should be versed. He's like, you can't give dick if you can't take dick. Like, like there are oh. no good tops who don't know how to bottom, you which is, I don't know if that's totally true, but there's a different level when someone understands the full experience. I think that might be like, you know, one of the eye-opening things that anyone has ever said on this podcast. That's great. <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. 
And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Darling, how do you not get hugely fat by eating peanut butter and jelly and cake all fucking day? How does that happen? It's the number one question. When I tell you these middle-aged Jewish women, they get angry. They're in my DMs. They're angry. like, you're I not, you're not eating Jewish this. Woman. You are not eating this food. You're you are a liar. You're looking <laughs> at her. Okay. Me, middle-aged here's, Jewish lady. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. It's quite simple. I am a lunatic, so it's about balance. I don't cut anything out in terms of diet because I'm one of those people that if I cut something out, I end up having this emotional break and start binge eating. So here's what I do. I work out six days a week. I use this, this virtual training app that has helped me a lot. I city bike everywhere in the city, not e-bike, regular bike. So I'm biking mm. eight to 10 miles a day. And protein and protein. The number one thing that people aren't doing is eating enough protein. You need a a gram, a gram of protein for every pound you weigh. So like I'm 200 pounds, like I am aiming for 200 grams of protein, which is a lot. It takes a lot of protein shakes. So like just real intentional eating, not a a lot lot of cottage cottage cheese. cheese. It is intentional eating, not unlike being kosher, being vegan, being gluten-free. It just requires a discipline and it doesn't happen overnight. When I tell you this body I have, this was a discipline. This required constant, constant, constant attention in a way that I wanted to do for myself. I am a Jew. I have constantly been sickly. I herniate discs. I throw things out. (laughs) I break both. When I was a teenager, I fell on grass, snapped both bones in my arm. Like it's like I'm a brittle person and this is a way that I get to reclaim strength and power that I've never had before. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe in sports. I will go to the gym. I will build strength and call it a day. Well, I have to tell you, as a kindred fat kid, right? I never cared about muscle or anything. I just wanted to be skinny. And at one point, I was too skinny. And it was sort of a problem for a year or two. And it it can get dangerous, this sort of thing. It always does. I also wanted that until one day you come to the terms of like, this is what I have. I can either be heavy or muscular. I've always wanted to be that like lanky, skinny, especially because I'm like, when, I always exactly. want to be Yeah. But it's like, I'll take what I can get. And I found such beauty and pride in, in my own body and in my skin and in things. And no matter how hard you work, how great you get, like everyone has their insecurities. But you do, you do this thing about health, which is really smart, I have to say. Really, really smart. Okay, we're going to play some games now, darling. Let's do you it. ready? Yeah. The first one is called Nosh or Squash. And it's basically rate the cake. Okay. okay. I'm going to name some some bakeries that you might know, starting with Entenmann's. Uh, Nosh the mini, Squash. Nosh, those mini chocolate chip cookies. Oh, smash. Really? Wow. That's what you got? Yeah. Not the beautiful raisin kind of like no, no, those no. gorgeous the cakes. The mini Ooh. chocolate chip cookie. Okay. Oh, pop yeah. them. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Magnolia Bakery. Nosh oh, or squash. Uh, nosh, the banana pudding. 
banana pudding. I don't like that buttercream. I'm not into buttercream. I'm not, I'm not into buttercream butter either. Cream. I agree. Yeah. How about Little Debbie? Do you get into Little Debbie? Or is that too goyish? It's too goyish. It's okay. those galaxy, right. yeah, the, the oatmeal <laughs> pies. Like, that. it is goyish. <laughs> All right, next one we're playing is called Die or Dianu. And it's Love. Rate the Deli. Rate the Deli. Rate the okay? Deli. Katz's Deli. Go. Uh, Dianu is the good, right? Dianu? Di Yes, is the good. Dainu. I love I think it's the best pastrami in the city. It though, is. It's really good. Though, I only so. go at like 11 a.m. I don't do lines. I don't do lines of Taurus. No lines. What about Eli or Zabar's? Dai, Dainu. <laughs> oh, that's a hard one. Um, I'm going to say Dainu. Here's the caveat. Okay. The, the prices. I mean, come on. Uh, really? Like, oh. The prices are insane. Insane. Jake Cohen, are you kidding me? I insane. love more. They are insane. But I have to say, I that's what makes me like it so much. There's good deli salads there. Like, I, they do a good, like, potato salad. And you can get are everything. It's a one-stop shop. Everything is good at Zabar's. Everything. everything. That's why it's all $1,000. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. wait a minute. Russ and Daughters. Go. Russ and Daughters. Uh, Dianu. Love. Classic. Dianu, we need, darling, we need, Dianu. we need. I'm also a big believer in, like, continuing Jewish-owned, multi-generation family businesses. So much. Like, uh. And no one does smoked salmon like them. All right, this is called Shove It or Shove It in Your Mouth. Oh, love it. This is about, like, rate the gay lifestyle. Okay. Chelsea, Chelsea, shove it or shove it in your mouth. Oh, shove it. Chelsea needs to go away. What? Yeah, no, no, oh, no. no, no I'm Queens. not. A Oh, yeah, no, 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 well, no, no, what about F been. Island? F Island, shove oh, it, it, shove it in your mouth. It is, <laughs> it's gay summer camp. It's everything. Oh, oh love, God. love, love. Asbury Park, have you been? Uh, no, I'm a Queens boy. I don't do Jersey. Not Jersey. Not Jersey. Okay, I love you. And what about like? I'm just gonna go like San Francisco, <laughs> the whole city of San Francisco. Actually, shove it or shove I, it in your mouth. I have, I'm going for the first time on my book tour. I've only been on my way to Napa, but I've actually never done San Francisco. It's amazing. It's one of my favorite places in the world, but be careful. Okay, darling? Yes, be sir. Be careful. <laughs> All right. And my final question for you, what is your obituary say? What's the headline and what does it say? It's about how long I was with Alex, my husband, <gasps> and how in love we were. Come um, Oh, no, it's just like it, that. That was I did not expect that. That's it. That's it. It's, this is the love, the love story of my life that will go on what hopefully until that? we're that old and decrepit and oh, no longer no, we're, oh. we have to be wheeled on the boardwalk in F Island. And then the other part is that my recipes live on in like hmm. Jewish tradition for the rest of time. Wow. The fact that like people make them oh, for their God. own family holidays and becomes their family traditions to make my recipes. That's the honor. I've always wanted my recipes and my books to be more famous than I am because I oh, love, wow. I love a life of, of slight anonymity and slight ego stroke. I, again, when I'm at the deli, I get recognized and that's, that's kind of <laughs> nice, but in gay spaces, I'm invisible, which I love. What? Okay. Well, you're crazy, but I'm a fame whore. I love you. <laughs> there, I said it. Okay, what are we promoting on this podcast? Tell me. We are promoting my second cookbook called I Could Not, which literally just came in from the printer not like an hour before wow. uh, we recorded. 
comes out September 12th, wherever books are sold, in which we will be incredibly talking at the Striker Center. I can't even wait. That's going to be so exciting. Your book is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. And not only the food is gorgeous, but you're gorgeous in it. So there you go. I, I took some time to get some good headshots this time. I didn't get any for my last book. And this time around, I was like, you know what? I, I, I'll i do a couple. I don't believe in like those cookbooks where everyone puts their face, where they're just like every right. recipe is like them eating mm-hmm. the food. I want to see the dish, not you eating it. Okay. All right. Mm. But I'm wow. on the back cover. Yes, you are. And there's a centerfold. I'll leave that to your imaginations. But <laughs> <centerfold>. <laughs> All right, darling, you have been an absolute delight. I love you. And I never thought I would say this, but goodbye, Isaac. Goodbye. Isaac. <laughs> Everyone needs to listen to this podcast episode, if only to kind of discover how this incredible man, how Jake Cohen wove together all of these incredible parts of his past to produce this incredible present life. He has taken everything about himself, the fact that he is a really, really good chef, the fact that he is a beautiful specimen, the fact that he is Jewish, the fact that he is gay. He has put all of that together to produce this incredible, incredible, what, product, and that is Jake Cohen. It was a revelation to me to hear how much a part the relationship with his husband plays in all of that. That was my favorite part of the interview. It almost made me choke up at the end. Anyway, thank you for listening and witnessing this incredibly, for me, powerful conversation. Darlings, if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and tell someone, tell a friend, tell your mother, tell your cousin, tell everyone you know, okay? And be sure to rate the show. I love rating stuff. Go on and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so more people can hear about it. It makes such a gigantic difference and like it takes a second. So go on and do it. And if you want more fun content, videos and posts of all kinds follow the show on instagram and tiktok at hello isaac podcast and by the way check me out on instagram and tiktok at i am isaac mizrahi this is isaac mizrahi thank you i love you and i never thought i'd say this but goodbye isaac Hello, Isaac is produced by Imagine Audio, Awfully Nice, and I Am Entertainment for iHeartMedia. The series is hosted by me, Isaac Mizrahi. Hello, Isaac is produced by Robin Gelfenbein. The senior producers are Jesse Burton and John Asante. It is executive produced by Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, Cara Welker, and Nathan Clokey at Imagine Audio. Production management from Katie Hodges. Sound design and mixing by Cedric Wilson. Original music composed by Ben Walzer. A special thanks to Neil Phelps and Sarah Katanak at IM Entertainment. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. 